What's going on? Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is the first solo podcast I've done in many, many months, and uh, I'm very excited about it. One of my major goals for 2022 is to do at least two solo podcasts every month. I've always gotten amazing responses to these solo podcasts. I really enjoyed doing them. I've just been I've just been, frankly, lazy about it. Uh, I'm about to get into a story about when I broke both of my ankles. This is a true story, by the way. But briefly, one of the reasons it's been so hard for me to do these solo podcasts is because it's it's not like I can just sit down and ramble this off, right? And I know I, I'm already rambling, and I'm not even a minute into the episode. But if you've listened to me for a while, you know this is this is what you get. I just like to ramble. Anyway, with the solo podcast, I have to sit down and I have to really plan out exactly what the episode is going to be and what points I want to bring up and and what stories I want to tell you. Which is why I think you're actually going to like this episode a lot about when I broke both of my ankles. But when I do the other episodes, whether it's with inner circle members or other industry professionals, I just frankly, I don't prepare at all. I sit down and I have a, a fully candid, open conversation and that's it. And for me, I think that's what I'm best at. I'm just best at having open conversations in which I ask pretty good questions, I think, and I can sort of pry and, and get people to talk to me about what they're struggling with and then I can help them figure out how to move forward. With these solo podcasts, I'm the only one talking. So obviously I'm over here in my head being like, do they even like this? Is this a good story? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the solo podcasts are much more difficult, but I really do enjoy doing them. So with that being said, that's a major goal of mine for 2022. So if you follow me on Instagram, number actually, if you don't follow me on Instagram, Go follow me on Instagram, Syatt Fitness, S-Y-A-T-T Fitness. And if you do follow me, make sure you're messaging me throughout the year being like, hey, where's that next solo podcast? Where's that next solo podcast? Because I need some accountability as well. So to start this podcast off, I'm going to begin with a story about when I broke both of my ankles. This is a true story. I did it in high school. And I'm going to circle back around throughout the episode uh, so you can see where I'm coming from. I don't think it's going to take you very long to understand why I'm starting off with this story and where I'm going with it, but I actually think it's going to be very, very helpful. So when I was in high school, I was a wrestler. I started wrestling when I was eight years old. And you, if you've listened to a lot of my podcasts, you, you know this story by heart by now. But I started wrestling when I was eight years old. I come from a very small family and not small in terms of the number of people, but small in terms of stature, right? Like in the size of our stature is very small people. I'm only five foot four. My whole family is very short. And my mom, she always, you know, she was fearful. She had two boys, my, myself and my older brother, and we're small kids. And she didn't want us to get picked on and she didn't want us to she didn't want us to get hurt or beat up or bullied or any of that. So when I was eight, my brother at that time must have been 10 or 11. She said she was going to put us into wrestling. And I remember I was in my living room at the time and and I the only wrestling that I knew at 8 years old was WWF, WWE style wrestling where, you know, you smash people with furniture and all that. So I, I remember looking up at her and being like you want me to hit someone with a chair? And my mom looked at me. She's like, no, you idiot. We're not going to hit someone with a chair. It's like Olympic style wrestling. And I was eight years old. And, you know, so I, I still didn't know what that meant, Olympic style wrestling. But she put us into a youth wrestling program that our town had just started. And I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And I was obsessed with it. And uh, so I started wrestling at eight. By the time I got to high school, when I was 13, 14 years old, I made varsity as a freshman. And... 
I was doing really well. I was, I was very good from a, a technical perspective. I had already been wrestling for a number of years. My endurance was very good, but my strength wasn't really where it needed to be because, you know, I was a 14 year old kid competing on varsity. And most of the people on varsity that I would compete against were juniors and seniors or 17 and 18 year olds. So as a 14 year old going up against mostly 17 and 18 year olds, my strength was nowhere near where it needed to be. And this is actually the story of how I got into the fitness industry because I applied to a gym a couple towns over from me in a town called Newton, Massachusetts. And I was just like, listen, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll just, I'll do anything. Just let me come in and learn from you so that I can figure out how to get stronger. And that's the, the beginning of how I got into this industry at such a young age. But anyway, when I was a, uh, a sophomore wrestling in my sophomore year of high school, I broke my ankle during one of my wrestling practices and it was devastating. It was, it was a really, really, really painful injury. My foot, my ankle immediately swelled up and it, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the fault of anyone else. It was just, you know, the, the cost of, the cost of doing business, right? Like you're going to get injured no matter what you do, whether you're training or whether you're not training, you're going to have injuries in life. And you know, that just happens sometimes. So I believe that was my left ankle. I broke it. It was super painful and uh, I went to the physical therapist and I did, I did all of that stuff and basically they were like, all right, you're not going to be able to wrestle for the rest of the season, which was just at that point in my life, sophomore year in high school, that's, that's all I thought about. It's all I wanted to, to do. It's all I wanted to think about. It's all I cared about was wrestling, 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 being on varsity wrestling. That's all I cared about in life. And... Um, so, you know, I was sitting out for the rest of the season and I was doing my, my physical therapy and then right near the end of the wrestling season, right before sectionals and states were coming up, my ankle started to feel better. And I was like, oh man, you know, maybe I, maybe I could wrestle. Maybe I could get in just before the end of the season so I could at least, you know, try out for sectionals and try to get into states and place in the state. And, um, my mom was adamantly against it. She was like, you're still recovering. You're still healing. And keep in mind, I'm a sophomore in high school. I knew we didn't really have much money as a family, but when you're a sophomore in high school, it's hard to comprehend finances. It's especially when my mom was so good at, at sort of trying to keep us away from that. She was very good at, at not at doing her best to not let us see all of that stuff. Obviously, you know, kids are very aware much more than I think adults understand. So I knew we had money issues, but it, to conceptualize finances, I think is very difficult at that age. So, you know, even the, just the co-pays for physical therapy or her having to take the time off work to drive me to physical therapy, I didn't comprehend how much time and how much money that actually added up to. And so she was like, do not go to wrestling. Do not go like you are not allowed to. And of course, I'm 15 years old at this point in time. And I'm like, ah, I think I'm good. So when she's at work one day, you know, I kept going to the wrestling practices just to watch, but like I would just sit on the sidelines. So on the day of my last physical therapy appointment. I can't, I can't make this up. This is literally the last day of physical therapy for my left ankle. I go into wrestling practice, just like I had been doing. I wanted to be there for the team and I wanted to watch and learn and to support. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to train today. Against all of my better judgment, against what my mom told me to do, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to train today. I go in and... <laughs> Long story short, there, there was a, a college wrestler there that day. And um, it's so funny when you're when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, you look at 
people who are kids who are in college and you're like, God, they just look so mature and so much older. And now that I'm 30, I look back, I'm like, man, these college kids are so young. But either way, I remember looking at this college kid and, and he was a, a, like a D1 wrestler. And I was like, man, this guy's the man. He's so good. I'm pretty sure he was an all-American wrestler. And, uh, and he came in and, and he did this move. Just and it, it wasn't his fault. Like I, I am adamantly say, against saying it's his fault. It wasn't his fault. It was just, it just happened. I, I inverted my ankle, my right ankle this time, and I broke that ankle. On the last day, it was before my last physical therapy appointment, like a couple hours before. And as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm in so much trouble. So. As soon as it happens, I know it's broken. My ankle starts swelling up. I can't walk. Just, just literally just the, you know, when you walk, you have the pendulum movement of your legs. Like I could feel just as the air was touching my, my ankle, it was in throbbing in pain. And, um, <laughs> I get a ride back to my house. And so I'm sitting at my house and, and my brother is there and I'm like, my brother's name is Lee. And I was like, Lee, I, I need you to, I need you to take me to the hospital. And he was like, why? I was like, I, I broke my ankle. And he was like, the same ankle? I was like, no, no, it's actually my other ankle. And he was like, how'd you do it? And I was like, I was at wrestling. And my brother was like, didn't mom tell you not to go to wrestling? And I was like, yes, but I went anyway. And he, and he just laughed. He was like, you're an idiot. And uh, and I was like, can you take me to the hospital? And and, he, and at the beginning, he's going to get mad if, if when I say this, but whatever, it's the truth. He was like, no, I'm not taking you to the hospital. I was like, Lee, I need to go. He's like, no, you should have listened to mom. I was like, Lee, I need you to take me to the hospital. I have a broken ankle. So finally we go and I'm begging him not to tell my mom, which thinking back, I'm like, what an idiot. Of course, she's going to figure it out. I'm, I'm going to the hospital. I've got another broken ankle. But I was like, please don't tell mom. Please don't tell mom. I was so scared. And of course, we're teenage brothers. He's a, he was about two or three years older than me. And the entire ride to the hospital, this was awful. He thought it was hilarious to see me in pain. So as we're going through the ride, he would deliberately stop short, just like because that stopping short would just kill my ankle or he would find a way to go over a little bump or go over a speed bump whatever it is anything he could do which now I think is hilarious looking back on it but I was so mad and in so much pain every single bump every single turn and he would speed up and then stop really short just to like see me be in pain we go to the hospital get all the you know take the x-ray all this stuff I've got another broken ankle and they're like all right you got to go to physical therapy and I was just, <laughs> I was so scared. You know, when you're a kid and you're petrified of your parents, you're just so worried because you know they're going to be livid with you. I was in pain with my ankle and I was just beyond petrified. My mom was going to kill me. I was also not 18 yet. And my brother was not my legal guardian. So they actually had to call my mom from the hospital. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I broke my ankle. And she was like, the same ankle? I was like, no, mom, I broke my other ankle. And she was like, how'd you do that? And I think she must have known. I was like, I was at wrestling practice. And she was pissed. I could hear it in her voice. She didn't start screaming over the phone, but I could hear it in her voice that she was just so angry. And so again, keep in mind, this is uh, this all happened on the day of my last physical therapy appointment. So I went from the hospital to my physical therapy appointment and I went in on crutches and my physical therapist, I remember she looked at me, she was like, what happened? And I was like, I, I broke my ankle. And she, and, and she was like, the same ankle? I was like, no, the other ankle. And she just started laughing. She was like, what did you do? And so then literally on the last day of physical therapy for my left ankle, 
we actually had to start physical therapy for my right ankle. My mom came and she was living. And anyway, this is just a whole big story. So why, why am I telling you this story? Why am I telling you this story about me breaking both of my ankles and all this stuff? The reason being is because I want to talk about injuries, right? And injuries happen to everybody. Like I said earlier, no matter what you do, whether you work out or you don't work out, whether you play a contact sport or not, whether you just do cardio or you don't do any cardio, whether you just lift weights, whether you do yoga, Pilates, Zumba, I don't care. Injuries happen no matter what. Maybe it's from lifting a bag of groceries. Maybe it's from picking up your child. Maybe you're falling, slipping out of the shower. Who knows? Maybe you slice your finger when you're cooking something. Injuries happen. And they, they just do. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about ways to work around injuries. I want to talk to you about what's realistic with working out when you have an injury and just some general thoughts and ideas about injuries so that you can make your way around it, not if, but when it happens. Now, when I was planning this episode, one of the reasons I was hesitant to do this episode is because I am not a physical therapist. And this is really, really important for me to clarify at the beginning. I'm not a physical therapist. My my expertise is not in pain reduction. My expertise is not in uh, healing an injury or recovering from injuries. This, I have I do not have a degree in physical therapy, and and I'm saying this because if you do have an injury, whether it's a broken ankle or two broken ankles or a rotator cuff issue or a hip issue or a back issue or a knee issue or an, or whatever it is. A physical therapist is the first person you should go to, a licensed physical therapist, not me. I'm not the first person you should go to. I'm a personal trainer. So the main difference between a personal trainer and a physical therapist is a personal trainer is their job is to take someone to their peak performance, get someone to perform better from a baseline of health, right? So taking someone who's who's generally healthy, minimal to no pain and getting them stronger, faster, more conditioned, getting them better. A physical therapist is taking somebody who has current chronic or or serious pain and helping them fix that pain to get them back to baseline. And then they can go to a personal trainer, right? And there's a lot of debates between physical therapists and personal trainers where sometimes personal trainers will overstep their boundaries and they'll act too much like a physical therapist. And then other times physical therapists will overstep their boundaries and act too much like a personal trainer. So I I wanted to be very clear with you here and say, I'm not a physical therapist. Do not come to me with, hey, I've got pain here. I've got pain here. What exercise should I do to fix this pain? That's not what I do. It's not what I do in the inner circle. That's not my area of expertise. But obviously as a personal trainer and as someone who works out a lot myself, I have a lot of experience dealing with injuries and learning how to work around them, not through them, but around them so that you can still figure out ways to work out and to exercise, even if you are going through something. So with that in mind, I have a number of points. I'm going to look right now. I have my notes in front of me. I've got, I believe I have eight points here that I want to go through. The first point that I really want to discuss here right now is that Injury is not an excuse to stop exercising, all right? And the reason I wanted to make this the first point that I discuss is because recently someone messaged me on Instagram, and, you know, this happens all the time. Someone was like, hey, listen, I sprained my ankle, so I can't work out. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You sprained your ankle, so you can't work out? And that was actually one of the reasons why I started this whole podcast with, I broke both of my ankles. That whole story is like jogged my memory about that. 
I don't understand why someone would think, I, I guess that's not true. I can understand why someone would think I sprained my ankle so I can't work out. I can understand that. But the easiest way for me to to sort of debunk this myth, like, oh, I, I sprained my ankle or I hurt my knee, I can't work out. I always say, you do realize there are people that have no legs and who work out, or there are people who have one leg that work out. I've had clients who who have literally, I've had clients who have like half of one leg, who have one leg for any number of reasons. Maybe it's because that was how they were born. Maybe they served our country and then they they had an issue overseas. There are many, many reasons why someone might have one or no legs whatsoever, but they still work out, right? So just because you have a, a sprained ankle, it, it's a ridiculous excuse to say that you can't work out because you sprained your ankle or you sprained your wrist or you have a broken arm. Like there's always, 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 always something you can do to work out. Now, you might have to change your goals. I'm going to discuss this later on, right? You might have to change your goals based on the injury that you have. And, you know, obviously if, you know, if you, if for whatever reason, your main goal was to develop unbelievable grip strength, and you end up breaking your wrist. Who knows, maybe you're in a car accident and you break your wrist. Well, obviously you're gonna have to put the grip strength goal on hold because you can't practice squeezing and gripping with a broken wrist, but you can do something else. And that's what you have to remember is you can always work around your injury. What I mean by that is you should never work through your injury. Working through your injury is trying to work through the pain, right? So if you've got a sprained ankle, you probably shouldn't be running because that's a really stupid idea. But you could do literally any upper body exercise, that's for sure. And you could probably do a fair amount of lower body exercises too. I mean, if you have a sprained ankle, there's probably no reason why you can't do a stationary bike. Your your, your ankle really isn't moving that much, right? Like there's no, there's no reason. Oftentimes people with sprained ankles, they have no issues with using the elliptical right? You, there's no impact on the elliptical. But even then, cool, let's say you can't do the elliptical, you can't do the bike, just do upper body workouts. That's totally fine. At least you can do something. So number one is I want you to understand no matter what your injury is, it is never an excuse to stop working out altogether. You can always do something and something is always better than nothing. All right. Now, the second point I wanted to talk about is dealing with injuries is always a trial and error process. Okay. And, and this is where when people come to me and they say something like, you know, I sprained my ankle, I can't work out. They're not taking responsibility for learning along the way. Okay. So for example, I'll, I'll give you another story. Recently, I, I hurt my knee in jujitsu. Okay. And I hurt my knee pretty bad. I didn't tear anything. But it was a pretty uh, devastating injury that I was out for for about a month or so. And a couple things happened with this. Number one is I was working, if you followed me on Instagram for a while, you know, I was working relentlessly on getting my splits. I really wanted to do a side split. But when I hurt my knee, I couldn't do splits anymore. So that's actually why I haven't been posting about my splits on Instagram the past few months because even though I can still do jujitsu and I can still work out, doing the splits really aggravated the medial aspect of my knee, the inside of my knee, right? Not the outside aspect, the inside aspect really was aggravated. And that, that was really, uh, it was exaggerated anytime I tried to practice the splits. So I had to change my goal. 
I had, to, I had to put that goal on hold and do something else. Now, the other thing is, I remember this point is all about, it's a trial and error process. When I initially hurt my knee, I realized I just, I just couldn't do knee dominant exercises in the gym, right? So I couldn't do squats. Any type of squat was just a no-go. It's a very knee dominant exercise. I couldn't do um, any lunges, whether it was a forward lunge, uh, reverse lunge, lateral lunge, any of them really hurt my knee. And I, I tried a bunch of them. I tried them with my body weight. So I had like an entire workout that was literally just me trying to figure out what movements hurt, what movements don't, or which movements hurt, which movements don't trying to figure out what's the right form of English here, which movements hurt, which movements don't. I had an entire session just based around that. And then I figured, okay, cool. I can really only do hip dominant exercises. So no squats, no lunges, no splits, but I can do deadlifts. I can do Romanian deadlifts. I can do hip extensions. I can do good mornings. I can do kettlebell swings. There's plenty that I can do. It was like, and I couldn't run but I could go on the elliptical. I couldn't do the rowing machine, but actually interesting, I could do with a Stairmaster. The Stairmaster was a great form of cardio for me because there, there isn't as much knee flexion in the Stairmaster. It's just a small amount of knee flexion. So Stairmaster was fine as well, which is, it just goes to show you, it's all trial and error. And I, I spent a significant amount of time just going through, okay, this exercise hurts, this exercise doesn't. So I'm gonna do the exercises that don't hurt. That's the perfect example of just trying to work around my injury, not working through my injury. Now, another recent injury that I got from jujitsu, I recently dislocated my thumb. And, and I actually, I want to say, I know it sounds like I just am constantly injured from jujitsu, uh, which, you know, it's, <laughs> I do get injured a lot in jujitsu, but I want to be very clear. The way that I train jujitsu is not the way that you would train if you aren't competing, right? So a lot of times people who are competing in powerlifting or Olympic lifting or whatever it is, they get injuries because they're, they're competitors. They're training for competition. By nature, their, their training is going to be a little bit more intense. And as a result, it's going to be more likely to result in an injury. But if you're thinking about trying jujitsu, but you don't want to get injured as much as I do, I don't want you to think that A, you have to compete because you don't, or B, that people get injured all the time because they don't. Competitors, whether it's in jujitsu or powerlifting or weightlifting or any sport, they get injured more than people who do it recreationally because they take it to a next level intensity. And that's why I tend to get more injured because I, I go really hard. I train a lot and I'm with other competitors. So we go a little bit harder, but I, I'm saying this because I want more people to try jujitsu and I don't want you to get this false idea that you're going to be injured all the time because you're not. But anyway, I, I was recently at, it was called an open mat where just a whole bunch of people go on a Saturday and essentially we just fight. <laughs> and, uh, I dislocated my thumb and that was actually one of the most painful injuries I've ever had. You know, I've torn my rotator cuffs. I've broken my ankles. I've broken my nose. I've, I've been all over the place since I was eight years old, since I started wrestling. I've broken everything you can imagine and had a lot of issues. The dislocated thumb was one of the most painful injuries I've ever had. And also one of the most debilitating because you use your, it was my right thumb. I'm right-handed. You use it for everything. I was actually, it was terrible because I had ridden my, um, my electric bike to jujitsu that day. And to ride the bike, you have to use your right thumb to press down on the, to get, give it the gas. And I had to ride back home after that. And it was awful because I, I couldn't use my thumb. So I had to use one of my other fingers. Anyway, when I dislocated my thumb, I had to take 
first I had to take a complete week off of anything upper body. I, I could only do lower body and walking. I couldn't even do any type of jogging or running because any impact, I felt it in my thumb. Just the, the shockwave going through my body, I felt it in my thumb. So I stopped all running, all jogging. I could only do walking and lower body workouts for that first week. Right. So a lot of people think like, oh, my God, like I can't I can't do anything. I've, I've hurt my hand. I've hurt my wrist. It's like, cool. So I hurt my upper body. I can do lower body. So I had lower body and walking for the first week. And then after the first week, I found that my wife actually had these things. They're called Versa Grips. I'm not sponsored by them. They have no idea who I am as far as I know. But it's a really great product that is essentially it's it's a, a I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. It's something you wrap around your wrist and then it attaches to the weight so that instead of using your grip strength or using your fingers to hold on to the weight, it's this, this basically leather or plastic material that holds on to the weight for you. So then after that first week, once my, my swelling had gone down a little bit and I could move my thumb a little bit, I started training with the Versa grip. So I did upper body workouts and lower body workouts. I went completely back to normal after a week. And now my thumb was not healed at all. It took about a month for my thumb to get fully healed. But I was able to do both upper body and lower body workouts, even with a dislocated thumb, because I found these Versa grips. So again, this is all under point number two being dealing with an injury is always a trial and error process. There's always something you can do. It's not an excuse. And odds are, if you put in a little bit of effort, you're going to be able to find things that you can do that don't hurt it, that don't bother it, and that are going to allow you to continue to train. All right. Now, so for point number three, <laughs> this is just good advice in general. I want you to start lighter than heavier. Okay. And now again, this goes for Basically, I don't care if you're injured. I don't care if you're starting a new workout program. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're trying a new exercise for the first time. Always, always, always start too light than too heavy. Starting too light, no big deal. You can always put more weight on. Starting too heavy, you're putting yourself at risk of an injury, right? And so always, 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 especially if you're dealing with an injury, start lighter, rather than heavier. But even if your goal is just to avoid an injury, I want you to start lighter rather than heavier. I'm gonna tell you a quick story from here. When I was tw I was either 24 or 25, I forget which, I, I think I was 24. I had just broken up with, uh, with a girlfriend of that time. It was like, at that point, it was my longest ever relationship. And um, I'd broken up with her. And even though I had initiated the breakup and I was happy about, I knew it was the right thing. When you break up with someone, it still, it sucks, right? Especially if you've been with them for about a year or more, like breakups suck, they just do. Um, so at that point after the breakup, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna go to Mexico. <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna just take some time away. I'm gonna go to Mexico. So I took some time. I went to Mexico for a little bit and I just, it was, it was a wonderful time in Mexico. I had a great time, met up with some friends. I worked from Mexico. Actually, I launched the inner circle from Mexico when I was there, which was a whole big potential issue because the Wi-Fi there was terrible. So, uh, but anyway, I had a great time in Mexico. I was there for about a month. And when I got back from Mexico, when I was in Mexico, I didn't lift any weights. I was just doing body weight and band stuff. I was doing body weight and band stuff. I was staying in a hostel, uh, a really like not a nice hostel. I, you know, my business was very small at that point in time. Uh, so I was staying in a really like grimy little hostel, but I had a, a wonderful time and I only did 
body weight and band workouts. Actually, there was a there was a, a surfing instructor there who was an amazing surfing instructor who I did surfing lessons with for ten dollars a day. I couldn't believe it for a whole hour. It was just ten dollars, and I'll never forget it because. I'm, I understand. It's actually pretty crazy. Shark attacks are unbelievably rare. I believe in the United States, I think it's, and you could Google check me on this. I believe it's like one or two people a year die from shark attacks in the United States. I think that's it. I'm pretty sure it's like 200 people a year or like between 100 and 200 die from alligators, which is so crazy, right? Because I'm the kind of person that I always get scared that I'm going to get eaten by a shark in the ocean. And I don't really give two thoughts about other things. But like, for <laughs> anyway, uh, I was out in the ocean and I was petrified that I was going to get eaten by a shark while I'm doing these, these uh, uh, surfing lessons with this guy. And he could tell uh, but his English wasn't very good. And my Spanish was essentially non-existent. And so we were doing these surfing lessons and all the communication was just done through just like he would do something and then he'd point and then I would try and do the same thing. And he'd give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down and we tried again. But he knew I was scared of sharks. So he kept like pretending that he was getting eaten by a shark and falling off of his board or he would like look behind me and point and be like, oh my God, oh my God. And anyway, I'm rambling again, but that was a, a really fun time that I had in Mexico, but that was the only exercise I got. It was just bodyweight workouts, band workouts that I had brought with me and some surfing. So now I get back, I get back home after about a month or so in Mexico. I hadn't done any heavy lifting at all. And when I got back home, you know, I go right back into the environment that I had left. You know, I go back to my old apartment and I, you know, I'm starting to think about my ex and I was just, I was mad, right? I was just upset, right? Just like sometimes you get mad after you break up with someone. So I had, I went right back to that environment. I started to feel upset again. And um, I went for my first workout. I went to the gym that I trained at, which is still there. It's called Titan Barbell. It's, it's in my opinion, the best gym in Massachusetts. Titan Barbell, really, really amazing gym. The owner, his name is Eric. If you go, tell him I sent you. He's amazing. Literally like one of the nicest, biggest hearts you'll ever meet in your life. Eric at Titan Barbell. Anyway, I go to Titan and I just start deadlifting because deadlifting is my absolute favorite. Da, 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 da. I put on, so I hadn't deadlifted. I hadn't lifted heavy for about a month. I put 405 on the bar, so four big plates on each side. And I usually deadlift sumo because sumo has always felt better on my back. But for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to deadlift conventional. And if I ever deadlift conventional, I almost always go lighter rather than heavier because it. if I go heavier, it has historically always hurt my back. Just It's based on how I'm built. I've just never liked deadlifting conventional very heavy. So if I'm doing heavy deadlifts, I'm almost always doing it sumo. Anyway, I put four or five on. I hadn't deadlifted for a month. And I decided to do five sets of five, which is very high volume, very high intensity for deadlifts. Usually I never go that high volume for deadlifts, especially once you're more of an intermediate to advanced trainee, it's just not worth it. So I do four sets of five, no problem whatsoever. On the fifth set of five, on the very last rep, I hear a pop in my back. And it was so crazy because there wasn't pain initially. Uh, it was just a pop. And then immediately I started to feel swelling in my, my spine, like surrounding my spine. So imagine the, um, imagine the floaties that you, you know, little kids will wear in their, in the pool where like, the floaty surrounds their arm. And as you blow the floaty up, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter around their arm to keep them afloat. It felt like there was a floaty 
surrounding my spine, just immediate inflammation around my spine uh, and just this swelling that was pressing against my skin. And literally I put the bar down and within seconds, it was difficult for me to move my back. Again, not because of pain, but because of just swelling that was surrounding my spine. And in that moment, I did not know that for the next three years, I was going to have chronic back pain. When I tell you that for three years, I had trouble tying my shoes, I cannot make that up. It was devastating. From the next day on for three years, if I sat down for too long, my back was excruciating pain. I couldn't bend over to tie my shoes properly. There was actually even, uh, there's a video of me if you go scroll down my Instagram, the, actually, you know, it's interesting. The video of me doing this deadlift is, it's, it's not of this exact deadlift. It was one of the sets earlier on is on my Instagram. It was, I think it was in 2015 or something. It was a black and white video of me deadlifting conventional, really, really heavy 405. It must've been the second or third set. It's on my Instagram. But anyway, several months later, I was doing seated cable rows and you know you can think about the force vector of the seated cable row, how it's pulling me horizontally. While I was doing these seated cable rows, I felt it wasn't a pop this time. It was like I felt my a disc in my spine slip forward as the cable was pulling me. And I I was in, living in Israel at the time, and I, my spine just went. And I don't know I don't know what was going on fully. I never got an MRI. I never went to a doctor about it. I was you know I was I was younger and I was stubborn and I was like I can fix it myself, but for three years, chronic pain. For three years, I couldn't lift anywhere near as heavy as I wanted to. And it was all because I was an idiot and I went way too heavy and did a movement that I knew I shouldn't have done. And I did it anyway, right? And, And this is where, when we're talking about injuries and sort of training longevity, one thing that's really important to, to pay attention to is more, all, again, this is all under the point of starting lighter rather than heavier, but also you got to listen to your body, right? And I think sort of this point number three, starting lighter rather than heavier should go side, hand in hand with listen to your body. If, if your coach or something is having you do a movement that something doesn't feel right, like you know, like this doesn't feel right, stop it. Don't keep loading it heavier. Don't go out of your way to keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier with it. Because if it doesn't feel right, it mean, your body's trying to tell you something, right? And I'm going to go more into this, like the, the different types of pain. That's point number six, and we're only on point number three right now. So we're going to go more into that in a little bit. But please start lighter rather than heavier and listen to your body. I knew that I shouldn't have done conventional deadlifting that heavy. I knew it. I knew my body very well at that point, but because of some stupid anger that I had over a breakup, I got emotional and I didn't listen to logic. And if I was a client, I would have said, absolutely not. Don't do conventional heavy, either do sumo or just go lighter. But I didn't treat myself like I treat a client. I just I was emotional and I went way too heavy and I screwed myself up for three years. And fortunately now, no back pain. I'm, I think I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm the most fit I've ever been. But from about 24 to 27 years old, chronic back pain because of a stupid mistake that I made, an emotional mistake that I made. So start lighter than heavier and always listen to your body. All right, now point number four, this one is so important. And like I said at the beginning, I'm not a physical therapist, but I know for a fact, a lot of physical therapists, if they're listening to this, they're gonna be nodding their head and agreeing and very glad that I'm saying this. Point number four, stop 
looking for stretches to fix your pain. That's not how the body works. I can't tell you how often I get people messaging me and asking me, you know, what stretches can I do for my back pain? What stretches can I do for my knee pain? What stretches can I do for my shoulder pain? Because people have this this false idea that if something hurts, they must need to find a certain stretch to fix it. It's a very flawed way of thinking. Number one, pain is multifactorial. Okay, there are many different models of pain, why pain might happen. Most people think of pain, it must be a structural issue within your body. And there are many, many times in which there's a structural issue happening that will cause pain. But there are actually, there are other models that have more to do with the mental side of pain. You can look at the research on this. It's very, very interesting that there are many models showing that sometimes pain has nothing to do with anything physically wrong with you, but it could actually be a lot to do with mentally the way that you're thinking about your body and the way that you're thinking about pain. Now, one of the best examples of this is research has shown time and again that significant numbers of people with herniated discs in their spine are asymptomatic of pain. So I'm going to say that again. Many people, a a significant percentage of people, I don't know the exact percentage, I think it's somewhere between 70 and 80% of people with, with a herniated disc have zero back pain. All right. But on the other hand, a significant number of people without disc herniations do have chronic back pain. Now, when I first saw this research, I was blown away. I was like, hold on. So we're saying that people with disc herniations, uh, more than 50% of them are asymptomatic of pain, but people without disc herniations, a significant percentage of them do have chronic back pain. Well, what the hell is that telling us? That's telling us that the idea that pain is purely based on a structural issue is, is false. It's not just based on something being wrong with how your body is. There, that could be it. That is a potential for it to be it. But it's definitely not the only reason. And the more research that comes out, the more we're realizing pain can be equally, if not more, affected by your brain and how you're perceiving things as it is about your actual structural issues going on, which is why sort of the way that we speak about exercises and the way that we approach things is so important because words are so important in how we perceive things. So for example, if I'm a coach and I'm saying like, don't do this because it's going to snap your spine. Well, now you think like if you, if you do that exercise, now you might be thinking of your spine in a certain way. And now you might think that you have pain because I said it's going to snap your spine if you do exercises like that. So that's why it's important for coaches to be aware of the speech that they use and, and the words that they use so that they're not putting this into people's heads. Um, which is actually, it's, it's one of the biggest gripes I've had with many physical therapists because many physical therapists, they know about this research and they know that pain is not solely based on structural issues. But a lot of physical therapists will say things like deadlifts are the worst thing you can do for your back, which is number one, one of the stupidest things that they could say. The best physical therapists I know are in full support of deadlifts and how they actually deadlifts done properly can be one of the best things you can do to bulletproof your back and to make it stronger and healthier. Deadlifts done with terrible technique and with way too much weight. Yes, that's an issue. That's like, that's why I hurt my back. But with good technique and with a, an appropriate amount of weight, it's actually one of the best things you can do for your back. And ironically, even though deadlifting incorrectly and with too much weight is what hurt my back, deadlifting correctly and with an appropriate amount of weight is one of the things that helped heal my back. So anyway, keeping in mind that 
this is going back to, to point number four, stop looking for stretches to fix your pain. Pain isn't just based on a structural issue. It could also be the way you're perceiving things. That's an important thing to keep in mind. Now, from a structural issue, oftentimes pain has to do with a lack of stability. Okay, now this is especially, especially I've seen this in women, all right? Now, a lot of times women will say, oh, I've got really bad back pain. What stretches can I do? What stretches can I do for my back pain? And more often than not, especially with women, it has to do with weak abs more than having a tight back, right? And they'll feel like they have a tight back. The sensation is that they have tightness in their back when the reality is their abs are not strong enough to keep their back in a good position, to keep their back in a strong, to keep their pelvis in a strong stacked position. And this is why one of the first things I'll do with everybody, but especially with women, is help them build a strong core with strong core exercises to help them put their pelvis in a better position so that they're more stacked in a more neutral spinal position so they're not putting unnecessary stress in a hyperextended lower back all the time, right? So oftentimes a pain can have to do with a lack of stability, not mobility. Now, on the other hand, and this is more for men, oftentimes men with back pain, for example, they do have pain because they're tight, right? So generally speaking, if we're looking at broad generalizations and, and sweeping strokes, we can see women are often more mobile than men, but, but tend to be not nearly as strong. And men tend to be not nearly as mobile, but more strong, right? So, so women, their strength is oftentimes in mobility and flexibility, and men, their strength is more in strength and stability, and they lack mobility and flexibility. So one of the things that I think is so important is I think more women need to do more strength training, need to get more strong and stable and lift heavy, and men actually need to do more mobility and flexibility, whether it's yoga or just practicing exercises that improve their range of motion and their mobility and flexibility. So for men, one of the things I found is if they're having back pain, doing certain stretches for their hips and glutes, like a pigeon stretch or a split stance adductor stretch or frog pose are incredibly helpful for men who struggle with their mobility. And if you're wondering what any of those stretches are, uh, if you're in the inner circle, we, you know, the exercise database that we have, we have hundreds, if not thousands of exercise video tutorials right now. So if you're in the inner circle, just go look in the exercise database for the pigeon stretch or the split stance adductor stretch or the frog pose. These are my top three favorites for improving mobility for your hips and helping to get rid of back pain, especially if you're lacking mobility. So just plug that into the, uh, the search bar in your inner circle members app and you'll find those. If you're not in the inner circle, you can do that at the link in the show notes, www.sfinnercircle.com. You get media access to the entire exercise database and all of our workouts and everything. But anyway, going back to the point number four, stop looking for stretches to fix your pain. It's a very narrow-minded uh, and reductionist way to look at pain. And odds are, while some stretches might help, that's not the only reason. And especially like you have to pay attention to how you're perceiving certain things and also understanding, could it be potentially a stability issue as opposed to a mobility or flexibility issue? Now, point number five, if injury is keeping you from achieving a goal, you need to set a different goal. And I was speaking about this earlier, right? I was speaking about how when I hurt my knee in jujitsu somewhat recently, I had to change my goal. I had to stop going for the splits so hard and I had to focus on something else. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a different story now. You know, my co-coach in the inner circle, Susan Niebergall, she comes on my podcast like once a month. She's amazing. She's, if you don't follow her, you can follow her at Susan Niebergall Fitness. She has a book on Amazon fit at any age. It's never too late. She's, she's incredible. She's unbelievably strong, but 
I'll, I'll give you an example. When Susan and I first started working together, she couldn't do any chin-ups, like any. And, and she's spoken about it on my podcast and on her podcast before as well. She couldn't do any chin-ups. And one of her main goals when we started working together, I believe we started working together in 2015, she was a one-on-one client of mine. She wanted to be able to do chin-ups. And within a relatively short period of time, she went from being able to do zero chin-ups to now she can not only do regular chin-ups, but she can do chin-ups with 40 pounds strapped around her waist. And she's over 60 years old. On a, and this is why she wrote that book, Fit at Any Age, It's Never Too Late. Because she is the prime example of it doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's never too late. And she went from not being able to do any chin-ups to being able to do real chin-ups and chin-ups with 40 fucking pounds wrapped around her waist. She's just a savage, like unbelievable in every way, shape, and form. So go follow her on Instagram, Susan Ebergall Fitness. Um, but anyway... There have been times Susan has had recurring shoulder issues for years and years and years for long before we ever started working together. And there have been times where, you know, her shoulder issues will flare up and regardless of how intelligent the programming is or, or how good she is at listening to her body, sometimes things just happen. And this is a common theme of this episode here is sometimes injuries just happen. And sometimes things, they just flare up, especially as you get older. It's just, it happens. It's part of life. And there have been times where Susan was, she was really working on when she was working towards her first ever full real chin up, or when she was working towards her first weighted chin up or whatever it's been, where we've had to remove chin ups completely from her programming. And I remember one time specifically, we had to remove any and all, not only chin-ups, but vertical pulling. Any and any what vertical vertical pulling means is a chin-up is a vertical pulling exercise, right? So you're pulling yourself up vertically. But we had to remove any and all vertical pulling, whether it was lat pull downs or anything of the sort, because her shoulder was in a bad way. And I remember there was about a three-month period where we couldn't do any of that. So we, we changed that and we, we changed the goal. So she changed it to a different goal, whether it was a push-up related goal or a dumbbell row related goal, which her dumbbell row is outrageously strong. She can do 80 pounds, no problem. I think she can do over 100 pounds at this point. It's ridiculous. But it goes to show you that it doesn't matter if, if you can't focus on one goal right now, change your goal. If you can't do chin-ups, go for a mile time. I don't care if you can't do, if you can't go for your mile time, go for a push-up goal. If you can't do a push-up goal, uh, I don't know, go for a hip thrust goal, go for a deadlift goal, go for a flexibility goal. Just, I'm getting so upset about it right now because people get so stubborn with it. They're so narrow-minded with their thinking towards this that they're like, oh, well, I hurt this, so I can't do anything right now. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm tired of people using injuries as an excuse to stop working out altogether. Because what happens when, when you do that, when you use an injury as an excuse to stop working out altogether, you just, you get down on yourself and it's easy to justify letting your nutrition go to shit. And it's easy to get just like to be, woe is me and da, 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 da. And I'll never achieve my goals. Stop it. Stop it. If you can't do something, just change your goal and go for something else. And then you can come back to it. And I'll, I'll never forget we took three months off of chin-ups and any and all vertical pulling. She came back and within about eight weeks, she had hit a new personal record with her chin-ups. So again, if you can't achieve a certain goal right now because of an injury, change your goal and come back to it later. That's exactly what I'm doing right now with my splits. Now, point number six, and this is a very, very important point. 
right? And there's only eight total points, so we're, we're getting to the end, all right? I know we're, we're almost an hour in, but we're getting to the end here. Point number six, there are different types of pain. And this is so, so important to understand because you have to, you have to remember, working out is not supposed to tickle. Okay, I'm gonna say that one more time, and I hope it made you laugh, but it's true. Working out is not supposed to tickle. It's not supposed to feel good. You're not supposed to do a dumbbell row and be like, hee hee, that felt great. That's not what working out is. It's difficult. There might be some grunting. There might be some, there might be like, who knows? All these different noises. And I didn't expect to be making these noises on a podcast, but here we are. Working out isn't supposed to tickle. There's going to be some pain, but it's important to differentiate which type of pain you're feeling. Okay. And essentially the two different types of pain you have to differentiate between are sort of like burning pains versus sharp shooting pains versus like dull aching pains, right? So there's several different types of pains. So a burning pain, that's normal. Okay. So we're going to use the the standard bicep curl. You're doing bicep curls and you feel your bicep burning. Maybe you feel your, your forearm starting starting to burn a little bit. That's normal. You're not supposed to stop just because you feel it burning a little bit. That's normal. Oh, muscles are working. My biceps are working to contract. My forearms are working to stabilize the weight. Like that's okay. That's not bad. Now, on the other hand, a sharp shooting pain, that is not normal. A sharp shooting pain, we'll say we're doing a, let's say you're doing a dumbbell bench press or a barbell bench press or any bench press variation. And you feel a quick sharp shooting pain go through your shoulder. Something that almost like takes your breath away. We're like, something like very quick. That is not normal. And that is something that you need to pay attention to immediately. And either your technique is off. And if we're talking about a dumbbell bench press or a barbell bench press, oftentimes it's because your elbows are flared out too wide. You want your elbows at a 45 degree angle to your torso, not at a 90 degree angle to your torso. So oftentimes people have that sharp shooting pain from a dumbbell or barbell bench press because their elbows are too flared out. This goes for push-ups as well. That sharp shooting pain will come in. It's not because the exercise is bad for you. It's because you're doing the exercise wrong. Okay. So burning pain is normal. Sharp shooting pain is not normal, these acute, quick, sharp pains. And also these dull aches. These dull aches are are also important to to be aware of because those are not normal as well. I don't want you to, to push through something that has a dull ache because more often than not, while it might not seem like it's too bad right now, the dull aches are something that's very easy to try and work through, right? You have this dull aching pain. Oh no, I can work through it. Remember, don't work through your pain, work around your pain. The dull aches are the things that they seem innocuous. They seem like they're not a big deal, but you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. And sooner than later, that dull pain is gonna be something that's chronic pain. That's not just happening when you work out, but it's happening all the time. And now you're really set back from it. So this is where you really have to listen to your body and understand that if it's if it's a sharp shooting pain or a dull aching pain, find another exercise and or find another way to do that exercise so there is no pain, right? Now you will have muscle burning pain. It's normal. You should have that. The Actually, the other thing to think about with this is also the uh, sort of like the chest burning, right? There, there's a chest burning that sometimes you'll get with, with higher intensity cardio, 
right? And if you're relatively deconditioned, you might be getting this chest burning pain from from relatively low intensity cardio. If you're just getting into cardio, you might feel it <sighs> as you're breathing in and out, you feel your chest burning a little bit. Like again, that's normal. Sharp shooting pains or, or dull aching pains in your chest, stop immediately. That could be a sign of a real issue. But that like chest burning from, from cardio, that's, that's normal. That happens. But again, like if your chest tightness, if your chest is tightening up during cardio, you have a dull ache, a, sh a sharp shooting pain, that's when you have to be very careful. And you have, this is a trial and error thing, right? I'll, I'll actually, I'll give you an example. This just happened the other day. Uh, the other day, while I was lifting really, really heavy, I started to notice that I was having some irregular heartbeats, right? I was having some irregular heartbeats and uh, I texted my doctor, uh, actually texted Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He's not technically my doctor, but I treat him like my doctor. And I was like, hey man, this is going on. I explained it to him and we spoke about it. And he was like, oh, it sounds like you're having what's called a PVC, which I actually don't even, uh, something, something ventricular. Oh, I think it's a premature ventricular contraction, blah, blah, blah. Uh, very normal, very common. Uh, what was interesting about it is when I first noticed it, and this is actually going to go back to the point about, you know, pain being, uh, it's not just about stretches. It could be mental too. I was having these premature ventricular contractions, which are actually, you know, they're, they're not that big of a deal as he was telling me as, as long as it's only happening during the workout uh, and they're, it's not persisting for a long time. It's, it's pretty common. But when it first started happening and I was nervous about it, it seemed to get worse because I kept focusing on it mentally. But once I spoke to him about it and he was like, nah, don't worry, you're fine they went away. And I thought that was so interesting. Once I got the confirmation that, oh, it's okay, they actually stopped happening. But when I kept worrying about it and I kept focusing on it, they got worse and worse and worse. So the whole point here is you, you have to be aware of what type of pain you're feeling or what you're feeling in your body. Yes, definitely stop it if you're concerned about it, but just understand that working out isn't supposed to necessarily be comfortable. Right. It's, it's not supposed to tickle. It's, there's going to be some pain involved. And this really gets us into point number seven, which is let's talk about the whole no pain, no gain mentality, right? The whole no pain, no gain mentality. When I was younger, when I was in high school, uh, and I was just beginning as a coach, I really believed in that, right? I really bought in hook, line, and sinker to no pain, no gain. If you're not, if you're not, busting your ass every second of the workout and you're not, I don't know why I got this like gruff Southern accent all of a sudden, but if you're not just pushing yourself and sweating bullets and, and grunting and just going as hard as you can, no pain, no gain. I bought into that when I was a kid. I think it was very enticing as a kid. And then as I became more and more educated as a coach, I got further and further away from it. And I was like, this is a really bad idea. It's pushing people to, to, you know, go too hard and it's causing injuries. And it's also pushing a lot of people away from exercise because they think that if they're not going the absolute hardest and if they're not in, in excruciating pain, then it's not worth it. But now I'm actually going back a little bit and I'm sort of trying to find that golden mean, right? I'm trying to find that, I'm trying to find that area of, of balance in between, right? Because the issue that I've seen now is now we've pushed so far to the extreme of, of the opposite of no pain, no gain, that I just see so many people being lazy and so many people just not doing anything. And at the first sign of any discomfort, they're like, oh no, too difficult. 
nope, nope, not doing it. No, nope, that was that was way too difficult. That was that was way no. Nope, I, I felt my muscle working and it just hurt and I stopped immediately. What the fuck are we doing? We have to be okay with some level of pain. So realistically, the no pain, no gain attitude, even though it was taken too far, it's sort of correct if you think about it. Because if you want a muscle to grow or get stronger, there is no way possible for a muscle to grow or get stronger if you are not going through something uncomfortable like that it's just it's the truth now that doesn't mean it has to be excruciating it doesn't mean that it should be dangerous it doesn't mean that you have to be going as hard as possible but it does mean that for there to be progress there must be discomfort this is a fact and it just is even for example when i'm doing my zone two cardio right when i'm doing my zone two cardio which i've been talking a lot about on instagram lately it's relatively easy but I, I wouldn't want to have a conversation with someone while I'm doing it. Like I wouldn't want to be on the phone with someone while I'm doing it because like it would it wouldn't it wouldn't be comfortable. Like it wouldn't be like, oh, this is enjoyable. It's like, no. And for whatever it's worth, even when I'm just getting my steps in on a day, it's not never mind zone two, just like I'm going on a walk. It would be way more comfortable for me to sit on my couch and watch Netflix. I would way rather put Seinfeld on and and have a bag of popcorn. That would be way more comfortable. But sometimes you have to do something uncomfortable in order to make progress, okay? So this whole no pain, no gain mentality, it can be taken to an extreme on either end. It can be taken to an extreme on the side of you're going way too hard, you're pushing yourself way too hard, you're, gonna, you're on the verge of overtraining, you're on the verge of injury, or it can be taken to the extreme on the other end where it's like where people have now gone so far away from no pain, no gain that they just, they're not prepared to deal with any discomfort at the first sign of any pain. Oh my God, that I felt a little bit of a muscle contraction and that was very painful. And I'm going to stop immediately. Like, no, we have to find the golden mean. We have to find the balance in between where you're pushing yourself. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not so uncomfortable that you're putting yourself at risk of an injury. All right. Now, point number eight, and this is the last point. Okay. And then I'm going to let you go. <laughs> point number eight. Actually, before we get to point number eight, uh, impromptu, I'm going to say, uh, if you haven't joined the inner circle, please do. I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, if you like my content, if you found value from my content, if you're looking for someone to write your workout programs, so they're all set up and ready to go. You have your workout programs, you have your nutrition, you have exercise video tutorials. The exercise video tutorials get some of the best feedback I ever got about anything because most exercise video tutorials that you'll find, they're just like, especially in, in a lot of memberships, they're just like quick, hey, like here, they oftentimes don't even talk. They just show you the movement. When Susan and I do our exercise video tutorials, we give you all of the modifications. We give you the muscles you're supposed to feel. It's usually a two to five minute video with full on explanations of exactly what to do, how to do it, how to modify it if it's too difficult, how to modify it if it's too easy, and what exercises you can do if you can't do that exercise. So if you haven't joined the Inner Circle, please do. The link is in the show notes, www.sfinnercircle.com. And if you're not gonna join the Inner Circle, which I think you're crazy if you, if you don't, at least leave a five-star review on the iTunes for this for the podcast. It really helps dramatically. And especially, especially the written reviews, they help so much. They just the the written reviews, the obviously just a five-star is great, but writing a review of what you've liked about the podcast really does help a lot. And one more thing about the inner circle, we have a massive app update coming in January. So uh, within the next four weeks or so, we're gonna have a huge app update. And if you've been wondering about the app and you're looking in the app store, 
it's not in the App Store. We have a, an app that is only available to current members. So once you become a member, you get access to the app for free. All right, now, so the eight, the final point here, the final point of this podcast is injuries are going to happen whether you work out or whether you don't work out. And this is, it's so, so important to understand this. I, I recently had someone ask me like, well, aren't you worried about the injuries that you could get from strength training or the injuries you could get from jujitsu or whatever it is? And for me, it's a no brainer. And, and the answer is absolutely not. I am more worried about the injuries and the health risks from not working out than I am from working out. I am infinitely more worried about the health risks that come from not working out and not lifting weights. I'm infinitely more worried about the risk of, of people ask me all the time, aren't you worried about the risk of, you know, of doing jujitsu? I'm like, I would way rather get injured practicing jujitsu, practicing self-defense with in a controlled environment than not practice jujitsu and then have someone in a real life scenario where I have no idea how to defend myself with someone who I have no idea who they are or what they know, get into a, a, an altercation with them and have no idea of what they know or the damage they could do to me. I would way rather endure the nicks and dings from training jujitsu on a regular basis in a controlled environment than not do it and then find myself in a situation where I could be in real danger. Same thing for strength training. I would way rather go through the small nicks and dings and pains and things that sort of put me on the sideline for a little bit than not do it and, and suffer those consequences. Because no matter what happens, you are going to get injured. It is a fact of life. Maybe it's picking up groceries, maybe it's picking up luggage, maybe it's, who knows, maybe it's slicing your finger while you're cooking something, who knows what it is. You're gonna get injured, you're gonna have pain, there's gonna be things in your life that make it difficult to work out and function optimally. What you do next is your choice. Are you going to find a way to work around it? Or are you just gonna be woe is me and sit down and say you give up and eat whatever you want and stop working out. And that's that. The cool part is you get to decide. You get to choose. But I have a feeling that if you've made it this far in the podcast, you know which one the right answer is. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, the podcast has really grown tremendously over the last couple of years, especially this last year. Uh, and I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate your support and your encouragement. Any of the messages that you share with me on Instagram, the reviews that you've left, anytime you share a podcast episode on your story, it means the world to me. But yeah, this has been great. I'm shooting for two solo podcasts at least a month. Be my accountability. Help me reach out to me. Ask me when the next solo podcast is coming out. Thank you so much. I love you. Happy New Year. And I will talk to you soon.